0: Rainwater.
1: Hey there, Joe.
0: Do you guys have reboots in comic books? (laughs) Um, (laughs) As far as I know, it's just one story that keeps going.
1: No. Uh, It was really bad, actually, right before Disney bought Marvel. Um, Mm. There was, like, this period of... It was a couple years. And what, what would happen is, like... I think both Marvel and DC did this, but DC was particularly bad about it. Like almost every other year, they would restart the entire timeline. So the most like infamous part uh, moment in this was the new 52. I don't know if you ever remember hearing about that.
0: I heard, I, I've heard the words, the new 52. I didn't never knew what it meant. Yeah. I, they thought rebooted, it, I thought it was like a multiverse thing or something. And then I was just yeah. like, I don't want to learn about this.
1: They rebooted everything. And so, um, and I mean, like, really reboot. So, like, they got writers to come on board uh, to basically take all these big titles, like Batman, Superman, et cetera, et cetera, and sort of reconfigure them to fit into modern time. Like, re- reconfigure their stories to fit into modern times. So, like, there's a run of Superman that is, I think it's written by Grant Morrison. I can't quite remember uh, I know that he did a run on Batman during that New Fifty Two sprint, but um, Grant Morrison did a run where, like, Superman, he changed certain things about him, and this was after All Star Superman, which I think is one of my favorite Superman comics ever. But like, he like totally rechanged a lot of the aspects of the character of uh, Clark, and and then with Batman, like, really redid a lot of stuff with Batman where there was like mystical aspects to it there was like this whole thing where like batman i i can't even remember all of it because like my friend tried to explain it to me and i was like what the hell is going on but anyway um like i said the idea was they were just trying to refresh these comics because they were running into that oh these have been running as soap operas for like decades and had been amassing all these different continuity things that You know, right, new writers would start to run into where it's like, oh, well, you can't do this with Bruce Wayne because decades ago he had some random issue where he had a run in with this character. So you couldn't do that in this continuity. So they basically reset the ground so that they could just try new things with all the characters, which I can understand, right? Like when you're running, Marvel did something similar to that sort of when they did like the Ultimate series. So like Ultimate Spider-Man, uh, was a series that was just like start, re- like start anew, basically. So like you have a whole new, um, I mean, basically the same origin story, but it goes in different directions and it follows Spider-Man's path in sort of a different way. And when I want to say like Ultimate Spider-Man was where um, they go more into his relationship with Mary Jane and like they kind of follow him as he grows up and. Like, gets divorced and all this other shit. And, you know, still having all the the, the stand-ins as far are the, the regulars in terms of villains and stuff like that. But just taking it from a different perspective. Which I think was, you know... They did that with Spider-Man. They did that with X-Men. They did that with a couple of properties for Marvel. However, I don't... It's been years. Like, I was probably in college, when they did that, when they did that run. But they also, I know that at some point, they also did the same thing thing that DC did, where they rebooted, like, the timelines. Because, much as I suspect's going to happen with the movies over time, as they get into all this multiverse bullshit, everything gets more and more burdened by too many different continuity lines and confusing storylines that your only choice really is to start everything afresh. And that's why I laughed at the beginning, because when I think about reboots and comics, like it is never done well. (laughs) It's just not done well at all. And and like I said, with DC, DC had a particularly bad one because they did the new 52, which by the way, the 52 is 52 new titles. So like they're like 52 new superheroes were going to reboot and there were, you know, I can't even remember all of the superheroes that they refreshed. <laughs> Cause they dug up superheroes. You probably had never even heard of, you know, but it was like everybody in the justice league. And then some
0: I'm at 15.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So,
0: <laughs> and even that, then, I was deep diving a little bit to things that some people listening to this probably don't know exist.
1: Like I said, that was a particularly infamous example. And it was, I think, for DC, sort of a signal that they were going in the wrong direction. And in, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, because they had to, they ended up restarting anyway later on. So, once again, you know, when you go into the movies, you're kind of rebooting again, essentially. You know, right. like DC has been, um, DC has been doing basically a, they've kind of rebooted a couple of times with their own, with, with the moves. Well, with,
0: with Batman, most, most of all.
1: But yeah, definitely with Batman. Definitely. Um, didn't they do that with Superman?
0: Well, the Christopher Reeve line. Right, one, two, three, four. But then you also have uh, Superman Returns. This but is set within the Super uh, Christopher Reeve universe, so that's not necessarily a reboot as much okay. as a a some. It's like a weird continuation because it's supposed to take place after Superman Two, but before three and four, or separate from three and four. I don't know what weird. it was. It doesn't matter yeah. because it didn't end up going anywhere anyway. And then you have um, Henry Cavill. That's it. Right. That's all that you have. So you really only have two. So it's maybe done at once. Whereas Batman, theoretically, you could say Adam West had the first Batman movie. Yeah. Because he did. So that's the first movie. And then 89, (laughs) the Michael Keaton films, uh, one in uh, 89 and Returns. Yeah. Technically, technically... Forever and Batman and Robin are within the same timeline. I don't know if I wouldn't call it a reboot, though, because they they reset the tone. They don't acknowledge really anything from the the past the past stuff. So I would kind of call that a soft reboot, whereas like, oh, it's still Batman, but it's not that Batman. That
1: is a particularly weird sort of sequel because it's like (laughs) events follow each other, but... But don't it's affect totally new the characters yeah. like yeah it's odd. Yeah. It, it so we'll is, count
0: that as a reboot. We'll say forever and Batman and Robin are a new version. I so, will
1: say like you know if you're going to do a reboot um I think the freshest way that I've seen it done was in the uh, the JJ Abrams Star Trek uh,
0: yes. movies. Which gets a lot of flack, but to be honest with you, I enjoy it.
1: They're good movies overall, and then they also just acknowledge, like they acknowledge the original series and the original movies while doing its own thing, right? Mm. And to be like, hey, it's a different, this is a different timeline, different universe, so things play out differently, although the characters are still the same. And while I'm not, I'm my main issue usually with multiverse stories is when the multiverses interact because that's when you get all the hog shit. But like if you want to just be like hey this is a different sort of scenario played out or the same scenario played out in a different way I'm cool with that. Like I Yeah. I would prefer that if you're going to take a property and like re you know refresh it bring it back. Um I you know like um I know an infamous example sort of is the what do you call it like the monster movies that they were trying to bring back and they didn't quite make it.
0: No. Uh, well, I mean, to be, to be fair, the invisible man was okay. Um, I don't know if you've seen the invisible man. I reboot. haven't yet. No, it's, I haven't, yeah. it's not as fun as the original universal monster. Cause like that movie is just fun. It's yeah, you know, it it's is. over the top. Um, but this movie, it did. It surprised me in the, in the sense that there were some, instead of using science like biology to make himself invisible this is more of a tech aspect of it which you know fits modern day which is where yeah. they said it um they took advantage of the idea of you know what would happen if someone was invisible and they were a psychotic um in a in a good good way not to its fullest potential in my opinion but in in various ways where it was like um so spoiler alert at one scene uh the the lead woman is at dinner in a giant fancy restaurant with a whole crowd of people around and she's explaining her theory about her ex-boyfriend the invisible man is invisible and you know terrorizing her and this and that and all of a sudden in the middle of a crowded restaurant the steak knife sitting next to the friend rises into the air cuts her throat And then the lead character's hand gets pulled up and the knife gets put into her hand. And that, that type of shit was like, Oh my God. Like you just saw like a fucking murder in the middle of a restaurant, crowded restaurant with people. You know what I mean? Like it was very inventive with, with stuff like that. So I was able to appreciate it for what it was. Um, I, I didn't like it more than the original, but, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, it, it, it did what you're saying. It, 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 um, it recontextualized the concept from a different angle, from the tech angle in a modern day thing. Um, and
1: that's, I mean, and I think that should be the idea. I think that should be the main thesis behind wanting to ever do a reboot, especially if you have something that it's been so long since it's been refreshed, you Mm -hmm. know, that you want to give it a new take. Like, I guess you could take technically say like, um, the Francis Ford Coppola movie, uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula is sort of rebooting of Dracula. It's such a different version of that story. Right. Yeah. And the way that it's told in the way that in yet, it's the same story. That's what's right. so interesting to me is like, you can have the same story told in such different ways mm-hmm. that that's what, that's what should interest somebody in a reboot, not just like for pure nostalgic reasons. Right. Like, I mean, The Force Awakens, another you know, the J.J. Abrams film, um, it's basically a reboot, right? It's basically a reboot of yeah. the, you know, the first Star Wars movie. And it just doesn't go anywhere with it, really. It doesn't really. I mean, you don't get any of the new stuff until the later
0: films. And most even people then, like. <laughs> even then it's 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 kind of a reach to call it newer stuff. Sure. Because after 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 the prequels, where do you go? Because the prequels really are, are are the kind of reboot from a different angle, where it's yeah. like, oh, you know, here's a, the the original series, which oddly enough I watched this afternoon, um, was about Luke Skywalker's rise from you know a reluctant young farm boy to you know the savior of the universe. Sure. Whereas the prequels was about a reluctant young farm boy who becomes the destroyer, uh, the enslaver sure. of the universe. So. You you already went through the uh the other angle of it so what's left? <laughs> There's nothing there. There's no real other angle to come at Star Wars. You know you came from at it from the the hero and you came at it from the villain and that's right, and it. You end
1: up in the third series. You kind of come at it from as a fanboy <laughs> basically, yeah. which now, underserves the story basically. In from my opinion.
0: So now here's where I can actually say that this can be used correctly though. Uh, the idea of being a fanboy in a reboot or remaking or rebooting a franchise. I'm going to take a, a wild stab in the dark and guess that you haven't watched the Friday the 13th series. No, I haven't. That's Jason Voorhees, the hockey mask. Yeah. one. Yeah. Unbelievably bad, in my sure. personal opinion, for the first several films. Okay. Maybe even all of them, to be honest with you. I haven't watched all of them myself. They are pretty generic slasher movies, and spoiler alert, Jason's not even the, the murderer in the first movie. He's barely in the first movie at all. If I think he's just at the end um, and in a flashback, but the rest of the time it's his mom doing kills, but you never see her on screen and da 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 The second movie in the Friday the 13th franchise, Jason Voorhees does not have his iconic uh, hockey mask. He wears a burlap sack over his head with one eye cut out. And yep. he walks around with an axe and he kills people and that's it. The third movie is where he finally gets the uh hockey mask, but he's just a guy. And these <laughs> Yeah. Um, I did
1: watch I think I did watch one where like he comes back as a demon and possesses people's bodies or something that's, like that.
0: That's Jason Goes to Hell where he's like a, a little yeah. like worm or something that comes out of their mouth and yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: I that's later,
0: that that's later, 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 um, because I think in four he gets killed for, he gets killed by uh, a little Tom Savini wannabe. Uh-huh. And then in five, they do an imposter thing where uh, some killer guy dresses up like Jason and you don't know that it's a guy dressed up like Jason <laughs> doing the killing. And then in the one after that, they bring Jason back from the dead And the one after that where they bring him back from the dead, from what I've been told, is supposed to be really influenced by like universal monsters type atmosphere and kind of stuff, which I'm looking forward to finally or eventually getting around to watching. But either way, you have like seven movies before this thing gets gets fucking on track, Um, which in some cases is great for a franchise to kind of spread the wealth over movies and build. Yeah, in a I mean, horror I, movie it's like get to the fucking point like let's let's iconize like iconize or iconize what's the word i'm looking for create some iconography right off the bat
1: yeah
0: in the friday the 13th reboot done by michael bay of all people um he was a producer not director the lineage the the mom being the killer is the opening sequence in like a flash like a almost like a flashback type sequence in between the, the opening credits. The first, maybe. Oh, no, I take that back. The opening scene of the movie is like a 20 minute short film. It's crazy. Um, where Jason is wearing the burlap sack on his head. Then they go to the flashback sequence during the opening credits, 20 minutes into the movie where they flashback to Jason's mother being the killer And what happened with his drowning and all this kind of stuff. Then they cut back to present day and the, the opening group of kids that get killed in the first 20 minutes. And there's literally a group of kids. uh, One of them's brother is searching for them. And Jason within the first act of the movie goes from being Mr. Baghead to hockey man. So in the first half of the movie you cover the first film the second film the third film and you create a character who arcs with or not arcs but grows over the course of the film new things are happening interestingly enough so they're paying homage to the things that came before but also and this is in the 80s and no one gave a shit about continuity in the Friday the 13th series yeah yeah that you know what I mean like they We're able to ground it in a believable way where it's like, oh, this is what happened. This is how he started. This is how he's growing. This is how he's moving on. This is da, 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 da. And it actually makes for, in my opinion, the best Friday the 13th movie I've seen. And I've seen a couple of them. I know I haven't seen all of them, but I'm guessing, you know, Jason Takes Manhattan is not going (laughs) to be a five star movie. (laughs) This
1: one where he goes to space as well.
0: Uh, I actually like Jason X is for its campiness.
1: <laughs> and uh, I'm kind of after watching Jason Goes to Hell, I'm kind of interested now because those movies seem to really um, bake themselves into being sort of shitty. Like they're very there's a certain amount of awareness in how shitty they are.
0: Not in the beginning, they take themselves yeah. very seriously. I mean, it starts off as an eighty slasher, and then it kind of yeah. you know delves into schlock. Um, yeah, I
1: like I, I kind of like when movies get really self-aware and then do silly shit like that.
0: To some extent, I do, too. But I also appreciate how they were able to bring it back to its grounded. Sure. You know what I mean? Like its, it's roots when they did a reboot and they were like because I mean, I guess that's how you can pull off that reboot where it's serious, where if it hadn't delved into schlock and camp and right. over the top meta self-awareness you would be tired of the seriousness so it had to go there um but it was one of those situations where it was really good that they were able to take that fanboyness mm-hmm. to make my point of all the things that were great that were littered throughout several movies and condense it into one to make one above average really good movie in my opinion
1: so and we're making a we're making a uh, distinction between a reboot and a remake right Because I feel like those are kind of two separate ideas. I
0: would agree. What would you define them as? Uh, Well,
1: because I I, I immediately started thinking about, because they did a RoboCop remake, right, not that long ago, and then, like, um, a Total Recall remake, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And there was, like, a couple of of different sci-fi movies they remade, and I can't remember all of them. But those two in particular, they're not reboots, because they don't follow a particular continuity. They're just telling the story again. So I guess what I was saying about Bram Stoker's Dracula, that's really just a remake and not a reboot, right?
0: That's well, wait, we're what's we're differentiating between remake and reboot? What are your t- definitions for each of them? A
1: reboot then would be, reboots f- frequently, um, reboots I often see take the same continuity and then adjust it, or you know, like there was a what was that popular term? Uh, in the aughts I think it was retcon which mm-hmm. was like basically the idea of you, you go back and retroactively just change certain things in the story while maintaining the same storyline overall right Yeah. and that's usually the idea behind a lot of reboots is you want you want to take all the things you liked from the original transport them over into the new thing and then add your own stuff onto it. Whereas a remake is like you're totally reinterpreting the the property, right? Or the story. Mm-hmm. And you're giving it your own spin. So you
0: would say that the new Scream movie was a reboot? Yeah, I
1: would say that. Because the new Scream movie still takes all the stuff from
0: all the previous Scream movies, right? But they also created that Billy Loomis has a daughter. Right which right. was never even alluded to in any other thing. If anything, right. there's massive support and understandably so that he might've been secretly homosexual. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, so right. like, I don't understand why but he it's would be not, banging it's not another chick.
1: Remaking, it's not remaking any of the story. It's, it's, it's still, you could still interpret it as a continuity of the, of, right. of the screen movie.
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: But it's not, that isn't contingent on it being enjoyed as a film.
0: So that's a reboot, but you would call the Rob Zombie Halloweens a remake, yeah, where it's basically the exact same story done e- executed in a different style exactly, okay, so that and, makes sense. I would agree with that,
1: and I think that that once again, it's two different ways of trying to tell a story, right and it's our retell a story, I guess and um it's it's interesting because it's it's hard to figure for me like I personally, like if I were asked right, to tell or to write a script for um, like a reboot. of Star- Park Warlock.
0: Well, what if they come to you and really say be- in, in 10 years, they say, Rainwater, we want you to reboot your own thing.
1: Oh, I would probably. Huh. That's an interesting question. Yeah, I probably would reboot it, actually. Because I've actually already thought about
0: that. What you would do differently or what you yeah, would change and continue about, the...
1: I've thought about if I did the story over, what I would change to make things more thematically whole. Hmm. And then also, um, there's, I mean, like, over the course of writing that story, I progressed a lot as an artist. In the sense that I'm, I'm almost, un, I feel like, to me, it's almost unrecognizable from where I started. And over the time of my progression, I've learned all these new tricks and things that I wish I had at the beginning of writing Trailer Park Warlock because I could add subtlety and nuance that later on I started adding into character designs and character acting that weren't there previously.
0: Wouldn't you call that more of a rewrite than a reboot or a remake?
1: Yeah, that, well, it's definitely a rewrite when it's the original artist coming back at it, you know? Mm. a lot of ways although didn't did the original so i guess did the original writer of scream do the most recent movie
0: no he didn't write it uh he was brought back on as an executive producer and i believe that he um he gave his blessing on the script he also gave notes and advised them it's like oh you need to change this or do that or blah 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 blah. but he didn't he didn't start it from scratch he didn't do anything like that but i think he had a big influence on it though
1: so yeah, it would definitely be a rewrite, you know. And I have thought about things that I would want to rewrite. And it's interesting they bring that up because I'd actually um, I listened to a, a I guess a live stream of somebody who was launching their webtoon, and um, they were talking about this the story that they're that they're doing. His name escapes me currently. I'm sad to say. Um, I think it's Shadow. Oh my god, I can't remember what's called. Anyway, point is I'm just gonna look up the title while I just explain. Um she like she was relaunching her webtoon mm-hmm. and it was like the third or fourth retelling of that story. By because, her? Yes. Because every time like, she started in high school, and when she did it in high school, it was just, like, you know, pages that she was probably drawing. I don't I don't remember what she said, but I'm, in my imagination, I think it was, like, pages she was drawing in her notebooks and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, like, started posting on um, – okay, so the webtoon is called Light Within Shadow for people who want context. Um, you can check it out on webtoon. But anyway, um, so she started that, posting it on DeviantArt. Then she started posting it on Webtoon as a re like a, she relaunched it on Webtoon and then she relaunched it again on Webtoon. So each time there was stuff cool. that she didn't like that she wanted to remake and she was just trying to, like, make the story better and better. And I mean, I don't have context for what her art looked like at that point. But looking at her art now. I she definitely is like at professional level. You know, because she's come at it. She's come back at it so many different times. I personally have never done that.
0: Um, I couldn't.
1: It would be really you came hard to for-
0: me. If you came to me and asked me to redo digits right now, yeah. I would smack you across the face, kick you in the nuts and walk away. Like I couldn't do it. Like it's not even because like, cause digits is not a perfect movie. When I watch it now, um, I look at it and I go, "Oh, I should have made an edit there. Oh, I should have, you know, angled that shot better oh i should have fixed the light or da, 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 da. there's a million little nitpicks that i could do but in terms of if you ask me to start from day one and reshoot the entire thing or even just rewrite the script or whatever yeah i don't want to do it because i feel like i did it it's done it's out there it is what it is that's and i'd like how to I move for forward like because I, yeah. I i don't know like I'm, we've talked about this before but i like variety i like different things and i don't like for a while there i wanted to do digits too and i think that was more from a a fear of abandoning what was working for something that might not Mm -hmm. um which is not a good thing for an artist i think you need to it's like spider-man you need to shoot the next web and let go of the one you're holding on to before the the web catches on to whatever you're going to swing on um i think that's where an artist thrives personally sure um but i i just couldn't I couldn't do it. Even now, like uh, I've finally gotten to the end of uh, like a rewrite on, on haunted. And I don't even know if I want to call it perfect, but I know that I've reached a personal milestone where I, I feel like this is the best that I'm going to do. And I, it's, I don't think I've ever said that about the script where I looked at it and go, yeah, I can do that. Like, cause it was always, Oh, I could do this better. Oh, I'll just give me a couple of days and I'll come back to it and I'll be able to fix it. Like every time I've gone back and opened the script and reread it, I've been like, no, that's, that's what it needs to be. That's good. That's what I can get to. So the idea of revisiting anything of mine, couldn't do it. Wouldn't want to do it. It would Physically, I can feel my stomach churning turn, right now. It makes me sick to think about that. I don't know about you, but like, I mean, hats off to her for yeah, being able to do that, but be, I just, I couldn't. It would be difficult to do. Um,
1: I have thought about, you know in some hypothetical future like me in austin working on a rewrite of garage raja mm. it would be totally different like it'd be totally different from what we were making at that time and i you know when i do think about it there, lately as of now i'm kind of getting to this point where it's like i just kind of want to do new stuff you yeah. know like i kind of right. just want to and especially because i'm getting particularly interested in sort of developing a storied universe out of stuff out of trailer park warlock we'll see where that goes you know over time the
0: rainwater cinematic universe
1: yeah the rainwater cinematic (laughs) universe we'll see where that goes after trailer park warlock but you know it's a possibility it is also a possibility like you were saying you know i could be in a position where i am rewriting trailer park warlock as an animated series but if it's like a different If it to me, it's like if it's a different medium, you have to approach it differently and with different expectations. I can't approach animation the same way that I would approach a comic book or a prose novel or anything like that.
0: I think adapting to a different medium allows for not necessarily for rewrites, but for redo's or reinterpretations by an artist. And I think that is something that can refresh. If you told me right now, Jao, I want you to remake Digits. I I told you I'd start getting sick. And then you finished your sentence with as a classical painting. I want you to get acrylic and get a fucking canvas. And I want you to paint digits as a one picture painting. Then I'd be like, hmm, that's actually I could I could sign up for that. Like, that's interesting to me. Like, how would I do that? How would I take the entire movie, the theme, the characters, the story, the the idea of it? How yeah. would I put that into a Renaissance style painting? And a, that, that sounds exciting to me. Like I would be like, all right, I'm game.
1: Yeah. I mean, our, what about as a sitcom, you know, like as a,
0: that's a little close.
1: It's too close for you
0: because well, I mean, <laughs> if, if I hadn't shot, uh, we well, see, I would, uh, okay. It's close, but it's not perfect because digits for those of you who are listening, who haven't seen it, which is mostly probably everybody. Um, was shot mockumentary style, which means it's like a fake documentary. If I were to do it like a TV show, that would be way too close to, like, The Office. So sure, sure, I would sure. I would 100% sense. either shoot it like a sitcom, like Big Bang Theory or Roseanne or, or The Connors or whatever. Oh, or you
1: know, that makes sense to me, too, why um, when they did the Clarks TV show was animated. Because mm. it, I think it was as a way to sort of... Yeah. differentiate you know in terms of style in terms of because if you did it as a tv show people would just be like oh this doesn't look like the movie
0: mm-hmm. right?
1: but when you have it as an animated show you have you draw distance from that and then you allow it to actually sort of seep into its own particular rhythm and vibe so mm-hmm. it doesn't it doesn't compete with the movie basically
0: yeah and 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 you really take a risk there by isolating your audience. Do you know what I mean? Like that that because they they come with an expectation now. Sure. Especially I, if you're the creator.
1: I think it. I mean, I think it personally. It probably mitigates the risk of alienating the audience more if you would have just gone live action and then it's like, oh, this is the shitty version of Clerks. Right? Yeah,
0: like, with like... a less of a production budget. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Well, not, not that they had one to begin with, but yeah.
1: Because I think there was in the 90s, there was a string of a couple of like television shows that were based off of movies and they were frequently not as successful. Although some were, I mean, Stargate to my surprise, it's actually a decent show, even though the production on it is not as good as the move, the original movie.
0: Right. Mm -hmm.
1: But, um, you just have to sort of accept that and go with it. And then it's, vaguely more it's vaguely enjoyable you know what I mean right there is always that aspect where it's like oh this is fills watered down compared to the original version
0: right yeah I don't know that 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 to me it's like going back to the well (laughs) you know what I mean and damn it like 10 years ago as as just starting out as an artist I would have said to you yeah I'll do anything I'll, I'll do anything, but now it's, now I'm back to the point. Cause you know, when you're a starving artist where, you know, you're just desperate to get anything done now, having done some stuff, I think I would rather starve for a little while than go back to the well. I really, I really do feel that way. I feel like it's kind of like when they say, Oh, if you need a million dollars to get your movie done, you should only take like 700,000 because that, that putting you in that box will push you creatively Whereas I feel like if you don't go back Mm -hmm. to the well for something that you've already been successful at, Mm. you'll be more likely to succeed in your next endeavor or at least find some fulfillment um, because you took a chance on something else. But then again, that's just me. I'm just, you know what I mean? Like, that's my my preference as an artist is that variety. Like, I don't know. It's going to be a why it's and this has been my hardest problem because at the moment I'm in the process of working on beating out, I should say. Uh, Cemetery Sweethearts. That's a rom-com, and Digits was a rom-com, and I'm having a little bit of an issue not doing the same thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure, like it's sure. it's a little bit of a challenge to not have that same dynamic. But like I already found it where it's like the guy's friends hate the girl, and the you know what I mean? Like he's trying to. And, and I'm finding myself. I'm like I'm just remaking Digits as a fucking Halloween you know graveyard uh, yeah, romance yeah. like
1: well that's the thing though is themes uh i mean i'm pretty much every artist will unconsciously replay themes in their stories
0: true. very true
1: and i think that's often because that's what they're trying to work out on a personal level working
0: out there as shit
1: yeah i mean I, there's definitely theme it's not obvious necessarily but there are themes in Trailer Park Warlock that carry over from Garage Raja that I didn't even become aware of until I'm like deep in the middle of it and I'm like oh shit It's this is kind of similar to stuff that I was dealing with in that story but like I'm probably always going to be doing different variations on that throughout my life or at least mm-hmm. until I've resolved whatever it is that I feel like I need to get resolved and telling a story you know um i've seen i mean you i mean there are some writers that's their entire work completely like i i think a year ago i went through like all of ayn rand's books it's all the same story over and over again just from slightly different like perspectives basically and it's all kind of based on her trauma having grown up in what would become the Soviet union in dealing with like the, the revolution that destroyed her life, like the life of the place where she was growing up. So, you know, she moves to America and like, basically she sees herself as a writer, as somebody who's just wanting to warn Americans of like, don't let this happen to you. And that's Mm. like every single one of her stories is just kind of re Revisiting that trauma over and over again from different perspectives and in different uh, different philosophical tones, like the Found Head is a more satirical take on it, and more intimate as a story. And I would actually recommend that story if you're ever going to even deal with an Iron Man story. If you're willing to sit down to a, like a thousand-page, uh, you know, Eastern European-style novel. But, like, um, you know, while Atlas Shrugged is like this kind of insane science fiction novel that uh, is also <laughs> hundreds of pages of philosophical and political rhetoric that <laughs> doesn't need to be in a book. So, anyway, um, point is, is, like, pretty. Ti- I feel like this is pretty typical of artists in general to they have a theme that they're latched onto throughout life mm-hmm. and they're always trying to find ways to reboot that theme, but from different angles, different perspectives, different uh, say it in a different way because that is part, I mean, it's like their perspective, right? Mm-hmm. Um, their perspective is colored by their trauma or their, their past their memories their, the things that they're nostalgic about whatever you know it to a certain level it can't be helped um another another example of this would be uh the the most recent glut of like games by front uh from software so they've made these games called uh original it's called dark souls i think that was the very first game and they made three Dark Souls games. They're all the same game. They all have the same, like, thematics. It's all about, like, you're kind of this ghost person who kind of keeps getting reincarnated and you're trying to explore this world. And every time you die, you learn a little bit more about the world and you, you grow a little bit and get more powerful. And uh, there's always some terrible cthulhu lovecraftian thing going on in the background of every story and uh and anyway from software then did like bloodborne which is literally just those games but with a different title <laughs> like and slight like they focused maybe a little bit more on the cthulhu stuff and then they did a most recent title called elden ring pretty much the exact same game but this time they got george rr R. martin to come on and and write the scenario and come up with some stuff about this guy named the Dung Eater. But it's the same game. It's like mm. every single one of those games are the same game. Uh and people love them. I it's kind of bizarre to me because by the time I finished playing Bloodborne, I was like, I'm done. I've played this game. I'm good. You know? Yeah. Um but people, you know it that's a, that I find kind of interesting because To me, it would be, and I think this is sort of what you're getting at with returning the whole thing about returning to the well. I feel like I would get bored after a
0: while, right? Like absolutely.
1: At the at the same time, there must be some kind of release that comes from having that format set up from the beginning, and you're just like, all right, we're figuring out how to do this format in a new way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. like the the mario brothers games one two and three to super mario world all 2d platformers they're not i mean there are changes from game to game right usually they're changes in complexity but after a while like after super mario world it's like we don't know what else to do with two dimensions we've kind of done everything we could do with two dimensions we need a new dimension and so you had Super Mario 64, which completely was completely different from everything at that point. Like, there wasn't a game like that once that game was made because it was just a whole other different way of interacting with the video game world. And it's interesting because i that's kind of an issue that's happening with video games in general right now is that three dimensions have been kind of explored very fully throughout all the games that have been made since super Mario 64. Mm. There aren't really any new ideas for platforming games coming out recently. There aren't really any new ideas for first person shooter games. It's all kind of just like, in fact, it's been so fulfilled that now the thing is like going, looking backward and figuring out ways of redoing older games. Mm. So there's, we're like, video game design has actually hit this point where they need to find a new dimension to fuck around in, in order to make games interesting again. And until mm. then, I think that you're gonna see you're gonna see people lose interest in video games to a certain extent for, in lieu of, you know. Real life experiences, quite frankly, going to music venues and stuff like that.
0: Well, that's what I was going to say. Don't you think that the new, the newest reboot, and it it didn't catch fire, and I have a theory as to why. But the really the newest iteration of the video game was like VR, mm-hmm. right? Like, is yeah. not that yeah. what they were really trying to do? Was was kind of move it into that first... like a legitimate first-person perspective.
1: I And I thought for a second that VR might take off, but it really isn't happening, even though mm. there's a lot of money being poured into it. Not that many people are playing VR games in, at the same time, want to retain a certain level of having games that aren't VR games and mm. having that level of separation. Because I think... I think right now what's going on is... Um,
0: For the Uh, record, they try to do it with movies, too. They try to do VR movies. That didn't go anywhere, either, as
1: far as I'm aware. Um,
0: And I'm I'm salty about it, because I lost a screenplay competition to a VR script once, and I I was like, this is fucking bullshit. Anyway.
1: (laughs) It was like, well, they tried 3D for a little... they, They tried 3D movies for a hot minute, and it didn't really take off, because it's not enough of a level of additional immersion to make people like for it right Mm. like the kind of entertainment right now that people are going for is really more towards live streaming stuff if you want to talk about digital like entertainment yeah stuff like twitch and tiktok and youtube live streaming they all have a certain level of social interactivity that you A, it's better than Facebook and Twitter and other social media like that, because you you're actually having like one-to-one interactions with people and it can actually see them respond to what you're saying. So automatically people are more are surprisingly more friendly to each other, Mm. which creates more of a long-term like communal rapport. And that in itself, like Like, I'm not big on a lot of Twitch streams, but I see the appeal. I see why people are hanging out on Twitch streams because it is, like, it is this interesting middle ground between, you know, if you're somebody you don't have anybody to hang out with, yeah, well, you can at least go hang out on this Twitch stream where somebody's playing, you know, I don't know, like Elden Ring or something for about three hours, and you can ask them questions and they can respond to your questions. And you're talking with other people in the chat, and you're all getting along, you know? Yeah. That's a communal experience that otherwise you would not have. Um, I guess you could have that in 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 MMORPGs, like in multiplayer online RPGs, like Warcraft or whatever. But those aren't very popular right now. Like people have kind of burnt out on them mm. because they're boring games, from my personal perspective. But like, um, I think right now the thing that people are missing, especially after COVID social interaction and they want social interaction in as deep and intimate a way as possible. That isn't going to be provided necessarily through VR experiences or at least not on the same level that they might get like hanging out on a Twitch stream. And also a Twitch stream is free and a VR headset is usually pretty fucking expensive. Which was
0: my theory that I didn't mention as to why VR never took off was because they just, they, they sapped that thing with so much cost and everybody's like, wait a minute, the PS5 costs how much and I need a 4K TV and I need, how much is this HDMI cable for this? Great. And now I got to up my internet because of this? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it was yeah. just way too much on, t- it was the straw that broke the camel's back. In my I don't opinion.
1: think, I don't think VR is going to take off until you can, until there's some way, I don't know how they could do this, but until there's some way, that you could have a one to one simulation of life. Because there's not, like, the appeal of a video game is you can do things that you couldn't do in real life. Right. But.
0: Which is why they tried VR porn.
1: <laughs> that's kind of ultimately what I'm getting to here is like, you're not going to have <laughs> that mass adoption point until you can have a situation where you can have basically real life experiences over the internet. You know Mm. what I mean? I don't think that there's enough of a pull for somebody to put on a VR headset and like trip over their ottoman in their living room, just to play a game that they could play on a controller and not trip over an ottoman in their living room. Right. It's not enough of a level of immersion versus like, if you could be Mario and hold the mushroom in your hand and fill the mushroom in your hand, and have the feeling of yourself growing into a giant, and like you know, you have to
0: wear a whole fucking suit for that. sure. You know, like, I,
1: <laughs> or who knows? Like, I don't. This is a very speculative technology that doesn't exist right now. I mean, there's haptics, haptic technology, kind of to a certain extent, um, is able to mimic sensation. But as far as I'm aware, it's it's by having kind of machine pressure that push on your body and stuff so i've never tried haptic technology but i feel like it would be interesting but awkward and i feel like it would be like um like eight bit sensation if that makes sense
0: Mm.
1: which hey you know i could there's definitely the the potential of that taking off you got to start somewhere it's just, I think that I do, I don't know. I think that there is, there, there's too much of, like, real life is too, free. like, it doesn't it's too cost what? It's too free. It doesn't cost anything Okay. to make virtual reality worth that step at the moment. Hmm. That's my, that's my take on it, is that why, why would I go? Actually, I could see the appeal of this, but, um, like I was about to say, why would I go to a virtual reality Kanye West concert when I can go to it in actual real life, but I could see, I can see the potential for that. Right. Like if I could, you're... cause I
0: hate the fan base, but I love the music. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so like there is, there are venues where that could be useful. I just don't think they're in three dimensional spaces right now. That's I, our, what I mean is, um, in computer-generated spaces.
0: Right, yeah, I got what you mean, yeah.
1: Like, if there is, like, you know, you could put your headset on a drone or a camera or something and be in a physical space and look at it from that perspective, there's a huge appeal for that. Sure. I, there's a huge appeal for that right now. I just can't afford it. So, <laughs>
0: like... <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Um, So anyway, dialing back to reboots and remakes, I don't know how we Virtual got to that. Virtual Reality
1: is the remake of Actual reality. <laughs> of
0: reality. Yeah. That's
1: that's the segue. Um I had
0: a I had a question for you which was if you were an well I mean you are an artist but if you were an artist that were asked to do a reboot for some kind of a property um what would you do? Like what would you like how would you approach doing someone else like a reboot of somebody else's work. And if off the top of your head, if you have something in mind that you wish you could actually tackle, you feel free to mention it. But I'm just curious about the, like the process that you think
1: yeah, you would was, take. I'm thinking really hard about what property would it be? Cause that, that gives me sort of the,
0: that would define the process that you use. Yeah.
1: That would, that would define the process that I would use. Like if it were something, let's say, um, Trying to think of like a video game property or something. Like, if I, somebody asked me to make a video game movie, right? Like, let's say uh, The Legend of Zelda, right? Um, somebody like Nintendo has come to me to ask me to make a live action, just to make it more complicated for me, a live action Legend of Zelda game or movie. Mm-hmm. Um. All right. First of all, I have to figure out. I I would approach it from the perspective of like solving a problem. Cause that is a problem. <laughs> like if it were if we were animated, I think that would be easier. But if it were live action, I suddenly have the problem of having to make a translation between something that is that started as unreal and then making it believable and real, right? Mm. You know, within the framework of like we want you to hire, uh, I was going to say Tom Cruise. He could have, Tom Cruise could have been a great link in the 80s. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. He, has, he doesn't really age, so maybe he could still do it. Um, he doesn't have to talk either. That's the other part about that. Um,
0: Does he have to run? That's, the, that's like in the contract.
1: <laughs> yeah, we can make that work. Uh, this could actually be great. Uh, he doesn't have to talk because Link doesn't talk. That's actually something I would keep in the movie is I would be very faithful to the games in that sense where Link never talks um, and everybody kind of just responds to him. And hmm. I think that would make for an interesting character dynamic. Right. Um, and then I would keep it simple in the sense of keep the story simple and, and make it more about having. Um,
0: having. So, go ahead. I want to stop you. Yeah, because what you're describing is adap- adapting. You're adapting from one to a different medium. You're not rebooting or remaking.
1: Was remake? I feel like remaking and, da- and adapting are in the same spirit, though.
0: Wouldn't they be the same medium, though? Isn't that the oh. differential between it? Though yeah, is that that
1: is a differential for sure? That's the differential. Right is
0: that a remake or a reboot is, is is still within the original medium? Um, okay,
1: well then let's step back. Like if I'm asked to remake. Zelda as a video game.
0: Okay. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That makes sense. Uh, I would first have to look at all the previous Zelda video games just to figure out like what's already been done. You know, right. uh, I can remember most of them cause I've played a lot of them, but there's a fair amount that I haven't played cause I haven't had the time to, but I would play all I'd either play or at least watch like, uh, you know, some video game recaps or whatever those games to understand, like, where have audiences been in these games, mm. you know, so that I can figure out where to go that they they haven't been. You know, what hasn't been done within the within that space, and adapt it to like what are the most, and then adapt it to what are the most effective iterations. So like, I think one of the most popular versions of the Zelda games, and I haven't played it yet, is Breath of the Wild. And the, one of the reasons why people like it is it's it's open world. Like, you're not told where to go. You can just start exploring wherever you want from where you start. And it allows you to experiment and try out things and just sort of live in the world and play in it as you want. Um, I want to play Breath of the Wild because it reminds me of one of my favorite Zelda games which is this which is number 2 um what the hell is it called it was Zelda 2 on the NES i can't remember the the subtitle for it but it's also an open world game it's super hard because they don't tell you shit about what you're, <laughs> where you're supposed to go what you're supposed to do you just have to figure it out um and it's a very challenging game and i would want to make it a challenging game like the remake or the yeah the remake i guess or the reboot whatever you want to fucking call it um because i like challenging games right um and i would want to put i think i would probably make it a very humorous game uh just because i like humor you know Hmm. I i think that that's something also that is often severely missing um in a lot of modern media in general you know um i trying to think, what else? Because there are certain things within the Zelda game that you kind of have to stick to in, st- in terms of f- formula. Right. Like Ganon usually has to show up at some point in time, and if you don't have Ganon show up, you've got to make the villain mean something in some way that is thematically nuanced and different from Ganon. Mm. Um, the villain has to, you know, if it's a different villain, they have to represent sort of a different opposition and a different a different goal essentially um I'm trying to think what else here but yeah i guess that's 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 sort of where i would start from you know like i would certainly want the game to have a stamp on it that was like oh this is very different from all mm-hmm. the other zelda games and part of part of my way of thinking about that too, is sort of be like, you know, it's going to, it might be how I think Ryan Johnson approached, uh, the uh
0: last I Jedi. Think.
1: Yeah. Last Jedi where it's like, Oh, they're going to regret doing this. Like
0: <laughs>
1: I often feel that way as an artist from just like, uh, sometimes, uh, when I'm offered opportunities, I just kind of like the feeling of like, Oh, they're going to regret doing this because I'm going to do so much <laughs> weird shit. like. They're not going to like.
0: That's fair. I always thought if I ever did a reboot of anything, it would be Dracula from 1932.
1: I would love the, to see that. I would love the, to see just in general, more different ways of telling that story. Cause there's so, there's so many different perspectives in the original book, you know?
0: Well, that's the thing is that the, the 1932 movies, not based on the book. Yeah. The 1932 movies based on the stage play, which was a loose adaptation of the book. Yeah. Um, to me, I would want to remake that particular movie, okay. not the, not an adaptation of the original book. I would want to re remake that movie, the Lugosi, um, Van Hels, um, Van Sloan type thing or whatever, black and white. Um, not so much have it be very stagey where it's like, like it looks like a feel like a stage play, but I would want to do black and white, like grayscale, like old school. The only thing I think I would change... I think I would do a 235 aspect versus the four by three that they had. Um, That way it's a little bit more of a wider screen. Um, And I think really what I would do is I would keep in contrast to what you were talking about, where you do stuff like drastically different. I think a lot of my stuff would be very similar to the original, almost kind of like how, um, what Gus Van Sant did with psycho where he remake Hitchcock's movie shot by shot I would do something very similar to that. The only difference that it would be overall, I mean, obviously different actors, but, um, the, the big thing that I would change is I don't want to say because it kind of did in 1932, they kind of had their teeth pulled away from them. Literally Dracula doesn't have fangs, right? That wasn't a thing. You never actually see him murder anybody. It always like fades out or it cuts away or it happens off screen or whatever. I would – that's the only thing is that mine would be like – I don't want to say ultra-violent, but it would be a lot more You would shy
1: away from the violence.
0: No, I would definitely put it on screen because in my opinion, the birth of the genre of horror was supposed to horrify you. Yeah, yeah. And if – you know what I mean? Like, so the idea of someone – and this is something that is very prevalent within horror itself. Even to this day, you can do – The worst things ever you can like, I don't know. I highly doubt you watched the new chainsaw, Texas chainsaw massacre movie from uh, this year that came out on Netflix. No, I haven't seen it. Okay. At one point they take the original final girl from the original movie. It's a different actress because the original actress passed away, but they take the character, right? And they have her go up against Leatherface, the guy with the chainsaw. And he literally stabs her through the stomach with the chainsaw and lifts her above his head on the chainsaw, revving the chainsaw through her, cutting her in half, right? Which is pretty, pretty gory and disgusting. Here's the kicker. She dies instantly, right?
1: Yeah.
0: It's allowed. What they're not allowed to do in horror movies, which I plan on doing in Haunted and plan on doing, um would do it in a Dracula remake that I would do. You're not allowed to let characters, people suffer. That's Mm. what they don't like happening to me. Watching someone suffer as an audience member feeling helpless is horrifying.
1: Oh yeah. And I feel like that's part of what makes Dracula horrifying as a character, because Mm. in the books, like are in the, in the book, like, part of the horror that a lot, that everybody's experiencing is, like, um, all the shit, like, Mina's going through as she's becoming more and more sort of possessed, right? Right, By yeah. Dracula. And, like, you know, like, her... Um, I can't remember if John is married to her at that point or if they're still just fiancés, but...
0: I think they're still fiancés, yeah, You're still... Like,
1: that. you're going through the horror of John experiencing this and Van Helsing, like... Just you you get all those different perspectives, and you sort of get who those two, who Van Helsing and John are as characters, because Van Helsing's just trying to like solve this problem mm-hmm. while also experiencing horror because he's compassionate, right? He's like, he has that doctor aspect to him where he's like, I want to heal, I want to help this person, yeah. but trying not to be taken in by the emotional impact of it. And that's definitely, you get a little bit, I, I think you get a little bit of it. Um, you don't get it. I don't feel like you get so much of it in the original movie. Right. Um, it's more sort of driven by the plot. I think I'm, in Coppola's interpretation, you get some amount. I mean, Keanu Reeves does not do the best job no. Of invoking
0: <laughs> No.
1: Jonathan Harker's like uh, like horror at what's happening, but yeah. like. Uh, you know, Anthony Hopkins does a pretty decent job of sort of evoking it, and a little bit, you get, yeah. Get a sense of like he can imagine the suffering that's happening, hmm. and then you, as the audience member, starts to imagine it too. And so, I that's because the idea of being sort of possessed, right, by a malevolent, uh, sp- like monster spirit, whatever, is a scary. It's a scary idea. Absolutely. Like, I think, you know, like the exorcist does that in like a very good way. Yes. Just like, because it's from the perspective often of the parents and you're like, holy shit. If I was in that position, what the fuck would I do? You know, yeah. how would I not faint? You know, like at the every- idea,
0: the idea of making an audience member feel helpless mm-hmm. is what excites me about a horror a sure. film Do you know what i mean like yeah. you don't know where it's coming from you don't know why it's coming from and you don't know how to escape it that those that's the trifecta of horror yeah you know what i mean sure. what why how Th- yeah. those three questions need to be unanswered in any horror film and you can allow people and people will be horrified because they don't you know what i mean you have to have a context enough that they're in educated as to you know what that they are, that the characters they're watching are in fact helpless, but you also have to understand that what's, what is going on to some extent, it's a, it's a delicate balance. Do you know what I mean? Because otherwise you can lose them entirely. But if you can find that sweet spot with all those things, people will walk away fucking scared out of their minds. And that's, that to me is horror. That is what horror is not about, you know, Oh, you got chainsawed into the air and cut in half. Yeah. It's a gruesome thought, but yeah. At this point in cinema and the experience of moviegoers, you know, we've seen that. It's not like, you know, we know we, we've seen behind the curtain. Movie magic has been completely right. obliterated in the modern day. Like they tell you how to do everything. You can go on YouTube and look up a tutorial on, on how to After Effects that like tomorrow. Yeah. And it's not that scary anymore. But the, it, the idea from the story standpoint, if you can hit those things, you will find For horror sure. again. And that's For what sure. I would want to put back in Dracula if I was doing... Uh, like a remake.
1: I think that's what made like get out such a, an effective horror movie was that it really captures that sense of helplessness. Right. Right. Where it's just like this, the main character is put in this position where he's almost, there's almost nothing that he can do at a certain point. Like yes. he doesn't know how to get out of it. And so that's a really, like you're saying, I think that's a great way of putting it. Um, terror, basically the sense that you're, Yeah, you're not in control.
0: Yeah, and that's that to me is what I would. That's what I think is missing. That that that's why I think a lot of people in modern audiences, like if you got like a 20 year old and trying to show them, you know, 1932 Dracula, they'd be like, "This shit is boring." Like, I don't get what, like, who cares? The atmosphere is great to someone like me. Like, I I appreciate it for that. But if you're going looking for a horror movie or whatever, like, it's not gonna do the trick. And back in 1932, absolutely. Yeah. now not so much same thing with frankenstein people weren't you know the idea of reanimating a dead body that you stitched together from various corpses yeah. um was frightening to some people when they went home you know what i mean like they got legitimately scared by it and we laugh at those people now but we are privileged to live in a world where those kinds of stories are abundant to the point where we've become desensitized to them. Well, you know, That's what's, why.
1: What's funny too, is the things that are horrifying to me now are when real life starts to mimic like art, like the art world basically. Cause I just read an article not that long ago about how scientists were able to revive um, dead cells in, um, I think it was in the retina. So like there are these these eyes cell, like cells within the eyeball, they were able to reactivate. And so they were sending like electron signals that would usually go to the brain. So Ooh. like that, I, when I read that, I had this like pit, uh, pit in my stomach feeling <laughs> because I was thinking about like literally all the things that kind of creep me out about the story of Frankenstein, right? The idea of like having died and then coming back to life And what the fuck is that like? Because then your body's like not (laughs) it's not your original body. Oh,
0: yeah. Like that's idle hands type shit.
1: Yeah. It's not like anything with the brain just starts to creep me out to think about because. um, We're all so used to like inhabiting our bodies, right, and having a normal everyday experience But, like, that gets back into that helpless territory. Like, if something goes wrong with your brain, like, there's not a whole lot, you know? There's not a whole lot (laughs) that can be
0: done. Yeah, well, anyway, (laughs) (laughs) we're going to end this reboot uh, because we are coming up on time. But I think this was actually a pretty fun discussion. Um, Hopefully, maybe one day we'll reboot this discussion and we'll have an alternate discussion about it. We'll remake this discussion somehow. I don't know how we'll do it, but we're artists. We'll figure out a way. Uh, Till next week, everybody. Thank you for tuning in and we will see you on the next one.
1: Later.